0: What causes something to spread? When I think of something spreading out, I'm reminded of a member of mine in Arizona who had a house where they ripped up the carpeting and houses there were on a slab. And of course, the cement underneath was cracked and not level anymore. So they got this stuff they called leveler. You mix it up in a bucket with some water And then you pour it out on the floor, and it spreads out all over, completely level. Now, you got to keep going. As soon as you dump one bucket, you got to mix up another one and keep going until you get the whole floor covered evenly. And then it will be a perfectly smooth, level floor. It spreads out just by itself. That's one way things spread out. Now, in this era, we also think of thing like a virus like COVID 19 spreading. Now that seems to spread by itself too, doesn't it? Uh, <clears throat> but it does need human beings as vectors in that spread. And so in some places in China and Shanghai right now for example, they have locked everybody in their houses for weeks now to attempt to keep this virus from spreading from person to person. It hasn't been completely successful and there's getting to be some unrest because of this, but they're trying to keep this from spreading, but it is spreading. This disease is spread over the whole earth. Now, we are going to talk about spreading here today as we grow the church, the spreading of the word of the Lord which isn't, of course, exactly like a floor leveler or a virus, though somewhat like a virus, it does require a human vector. Uh, There has to be someone who hears it, receives it, uh, and then passes it on to another. Though it doesn't jump from person to person by itself, there has to be a conscious effort on the people that hear it then to speak it and spread it to other people. And so that's what we're going to look a little bit more at today as we go back to Antioch in the middle of uh, what is now Turkey and see how things were working there for the spread of the word of the Lord. Last week, we heard Paul proclaim the message about Jesus Christ From the word of God in the synagogue in this city of Antioch. Uh, Of course, this was a message that focused on the coming, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's message was all about. And the forgiveness of sins that can be proclaimed on the basis of what Jesus did. This is what touches suffering, despondent hearts in this world. And today we're going to see how then it spread in this place. So we read in Acts 13, we're continuing just a little after where we left off last week. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on them. And when Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you, but since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, Paul's sermon had 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 a tremendous effect on the people who heard it. Now, this was no fancy oratory. There was no demonstrations of of power. Uh, No big stories. You know, you heard most of it or parts of it, and it was just telling about Jesus, wasn't it? But these hearers were moved by this message that God would send a Savior into this world and forgive people their sins. This is the heart of Paul's message, and this is what moved these people. Now, we can well imagine that not all these hearers were immediately caught up or completely believed, but they were impressed enough that They wanted to come back and to hear more about this message, more about this Jesus. And they were uh, affected enough that they told other people, come, hear what I have heard. Um, And so there was this large number of people that came. Those first hearers must have spoken with considerable emotion and conviction to get that many people to come. You know, I think even today, if you go to tell people, oh, I heard a great sermon in my church. How many people do you think you'd get here next Sunday? Would you have nearly the whole city of Jackson? I doubt it. But they did. They spoke to their neighbors with such conviction and emotion that these people came. Yes, we want to hear about this Jesus too. There had been no... Miracles there. No great signs of power. No special prizes. Nothing outward that would be a draw for people to come. It was just a message. It was just the word about a man. A man who was proclaimed, he is the savior of the world. But on the other hand... Many of those hearers, those first hearers, did not believe this message, were not affected in the same way. Uh, They did not want to believe it. They contradicted, uh, this, this message contradicted their carefully curated plan of how they were going to fill out this list of demands of the law and please their God, and that way they could get into heaven. They had convinced themselves that they were able to do this, that, yeah, if we just check off all these things on the list, that God will be pleased with us. That was the message of the Pharisaic message, which is probably dominant in that synagogue as it was in most of the synagogues, as it really is the dominant message of, of Judaism today, uh, but this message contradicted all this. They 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 gathered in their synagogues in their little group, their little strange group. The Jews are kind of looked at as strange. Were able to support one another in their false conviction that oh, we we hope maybe we'll be saved. They pushed to the back of their mind their conscience, which is telling them this wasn't going to work, but they were able to stifle that conscience enough to convince themselves. But then these new teachers came and they upset their comfort level, poking at their conscience, starting to convict their conscience that maybe they were guilty, that um, that they couldn't save themselves. Besides that, they drew in all these people, way too many spectators, way too many onlookers for for their comfort level. And so what did they do? They tried to contradict the message that Paul said. They tried to come up with their own passages or whatever, say this is not true. But Paul was very astute. He knew how to contradict or how to... to indicate to them or pull out the passages and show from Scripture that what he is preaching was true. Of course, this only had the effect of infuriating these people more. They heaped abuse on Paul and Barnabas, slandered him, attacked his person. It was harsh. It was mean-spirited. It was the action and the words of unbelieving people. Their attacks were designed not only to drive out, drive away Paul and, and Barnabas, but to keep all, keep away all the other uh, people who would come to listen to them. But what happened? Paul and Barnabas together answered, "Okay, if you don't want to listen to this message, we will turn, and we will proclaim this message to the Gentiles, the people outside the Jewish nation." <coughs> now the Pharisees probably didn't think even this was worthy but in fact uh, Paul would quote from scripture that this really was God's plan from the beginning. The message about the Savior that, that God promised first to Adam and Eve and to Abraham and to his descendants was a message meant for all people. Now it's true. The, the Jews were forbidden to intermarry with the Gentiles. They weren't even to enter their houses. But this is a way to keep their nation pure for the coming of the Messiah, to bring the Messiah into the world. Um, it did not mean the Gentiles weren't supposed to be saved or that they weren't supposed to hear this message. But in, in fact, there's evidence that some of the Jews did witness, even in the city of Antioch, because remember when Paul first entered there and he addressed the people in the synagogue, he addressed not just the Jews, but he said, "You God-fearing people." That was the term used for Gentiles that had converted to the Jewish faith, who had come to know and to believe in the the true God, uh, and <clears throat> even though the synagogue leaders were probably dominated by the pharisaic teachings of of work righteousness the true word was still there because they read from the scriptures every saturday the selections just like we do on sunday morning and in those in those scripture readings was the word the word about jesus who was the mess savior that was to come a messiah who would save them from their sins and a few people had come to believe through that message. In any case, here we see this truth being demonstrated. The spread of the word was not stopped by contradiction or slander. It just kept being spread. The Jews didn't want it to the Gentiles. Um, And we go on reading... Uh, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went on to Iconium. Now The Jewish leaders weren't finished just to contradict Paul. They stirred up people to actually legally drive them from their city. We can well imagine that the Jews of Paul's day were not all that different from the Jews of today. They were probably some of the successful, upstanding, and influential businessmen of the city. And so they could influence others. Um, they also see the influence of women in that society. They were able to stir up some, they said, the God-fearing women... Now, this God, the the term "God-fearing" here would mean that they were the proselytes. That is, they were converts to Judaism. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean they were true believers in, in the the true message, but they were influential also, and so they stirred them up also, and they were successful. Drove Paul and Silas, or Paul and Barnabas, out of their out of their region until they went to Iconium, 80 miles away, uh, and there. What did they do? They started proclaiming that same word about Jesus again. Now, we read, when the Gentiles heard this, that they were going to turn and preach to the Gentiles, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. And the final verse is, then the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Look at the believers while all this is going on. The the leaders in the synagogue were uh, contradicting Paul, abusing him, driving him out. But the Gentiles that heard this, and assuming there were a few Jews who did too, honored the word of the Lord. How do you honor the word of the Lord? They believed it. They accepted it. They were glad when they heard it. Uh, Now, we have to remember that what they knew as the word of the Lord was what we know as the Old Old Testament scripture. The Old New Testament hadn't been started to be uh, written yet. There was no word about Jesus' life yet. All they had was the scriptures that well, first of all, had many calls to repentance to to unbelieving people. Uh, and then there were promises and prophecies of this Messiah that was to come. And that's the word that they heard. They had to look at these prophecies now. And, and then Paul would tell them, there is a Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, who lived in, in uh uh, Galilee and, and uh, Judea back in Palestine, crucified, died, buried, and rose again. He is the Messiah. He is the one talked about in these scriptures. You see, Paul and Barnabas were not preaching a new message. They were using these same scriptures that the people heard every week, but now telling them they're being fulfilled. They have been fulfilled. The Messiah has come. Compare what, Messiah, what they was written about him to what he did and what happened to him. And we are witnesses of these things. You can talk to people that were there. And uh, now this is the people who were brought up in a culture with many gods, many gods that, that weren't satisfying. They, they were in this city of Antioch, in the middle of uh, what is now Turkey. It must have been a rather large, impressive city. It had a, a water system. It came from several miles away in the mountains, channeled through aqueducts and, and tunnels and pipes um, to come into the city like at a third le- a third floor level and then spread this water throughout the city. There was equivalent of running water, not quite what we have, I'm sure, but throughout this, this was quite a big city. And then the dominating factor in the middle of the city was the Temple of Augustus. A temple to worship Emperor Augustus. Built about the time of Augustus, and remember he lived at the time that Jesus was born, so only a few decades before this probably was, was built. It was huge. It was bigger than an American football field. So this was a big building dedicated to worshiping the emperor. Uh, Now, the emperors of that day, now, maybe they didn't claim to be God, but they let themselves be worshiped as God. In fact, Emperor Augustus never called himself emperor either, but he was emperor. And some have noted that when man became God, the emperors became God, God became man. Jesus came to this earth and became a human being. It was a time when the pagan religions were, some say they were kind of bankrupt. People were dissatisfied. They weren't finding um, meaning there. <clears throat> and this is where then the message of, of, uh, of a God who comes into this world becomes a human being with us uh, and then sacrifices himself for the sins of all people and then rises from the dead and gives life to all people. This was the word that they heard that had an effect on them and they honored that word of the Lord uh, that announced this Savior to them. Being glad Hearing this word and honoring this word led them then to spread this word. It affected their hearts. And now they want to tell it to others. And so even though Paul and Barnabas were driven out of the region, the word of the Lord continued to spread. The people who heard it then believed it, uh, made them glad. And they too would speak it to other people. This is really one of the best ways of honoring the word of the Lord is to speak it to other people. It was meant for everyone. And so they speak to whoever would listen and many came to believe. So a church was established and it was growing. Now, Paul and Barnabas went on from uh, Antioch to the city of Iconium about 80 miles away. Then from there, they went to uh, Lystra, another city, and finally to Derby, all in the central highlands of what is now Turkey. And when they completed this circuit, then they turned around and went back through these same cities to encourage the people that were there. They encouraged them, among other things, to hold fast because it will be through much tribulation you will enter the kingdom of God, but of course, it is worth it. Another thing they did was ordained elders, in every church, so that the preaching of the word and the gathering for worship could be continued in each one of these churches. And so we see the, another truth here. The people filled with joy and the Holy Spirit spread the word. That's how it spread. Now, what now? What What is there in this for us? First of all, I encourage you, be filled with with joy, in the face of persecution. Now, we probably, hopefully, won't face the same kind of persecution that Paul faced. Having our words contradicted to our face, uh, being a, he, having abuse heaped on us in Antioch. A couple cities later, Paul will be stoned and left for dead outside the city. I don't want that to happen to me either, do you? Uh, It could. So we probably won't receive that same kind of persecution, but uh, (coughs) uh, we probably won't receive the same kind that the people of Antioch received. Imagine living in a city where uh, you went to the synagogue to hear Paul and Barnabas, but there's this group there that contradict what they said, heaped abuse on Paul and Barnabas, and I'm sure heaped abuse on all those that believed what they said. And then... They went home, and now they're among their Roman friends who are still believing in all these pagan gods. And they will be ridiculed for their faith in this Jesus that they've just heard of. So they face persecution. Hopefully we won't face that kind, but there still is persecution around us. Uh, If there weren't persecution, uh, you wouldn't be afraid to speak about Jesus. Are there times when you're afraid? I think we all face those times, and that's because of the fear of persecution, fear of rejection. Who wants to be rejected? Fear of ridicule for our faith. Perhaps being ostracized from one group or another. Perhaps being unfriended for our faith. Those are all forms of persecution which we face. But then we look at the believers in Antioch and see how they felt. They were glad and filled with joy. Despite the fact that Paul and Barnabas, the ones who had taught them this stuff, were driven out of their city, they were glad and filled with joy. That came from believing this message. Having their sins forgiven. Having a place in heaven waiting for them. Having a God. Who would take care of them in all situations in this life. They knew what was on the other side before they believed the uh, <coughs> the pagan gods, which didn't do anything like this for them. They knew the fear of what it's like to not know what's on the other side of death, fearing, of course, that it will be punishment. Uh, contemplate what they would have been feeling at that time. Recognize now, though, that you have the same forgiveness that they received. You have the same hope of heaven waiting for you after you die. You have the same God who will take care of you in all the situations of this life. So how do you become more certain of this? Read God's word that very word that was spread there. Uh, Listen to the messages from God's word that we have here at our church. Talk about these things with your fellow believers, like here after church or when you get together with them. This is how you can grow in the joy uh, in the face of persecution. And then you'll be ready to honor the word by spreading it to others. You know, as that joy grows, that's what drives us to, to uh, speak that word to others. That's what drove the people in Antioch, to spread that word in their whole region. Honoring not only means listening to it and believing it, but then speaking it. And that way, the word of the Lord will spread through the entire region, and it will be spread through our region also. Spreading the word is not that complicated. It doesn't mean that you have to learn the word, word for word, word, memorize it. Sometimes that helps. Other times it just means speak the word. Just tell other people what Jesus has done for you, how you feel because he has done this, what he has done for them. Oftentimes it's more Uh, effective if it's coming from your heart and spoken in 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 your words um, do you rejoice that your sins are forgiven well say it are you happy that you have a home waiting for you in heaven after you die express it you know when you speak about it in these ways you're not confronting anyone. You're not challenging anyone. You're not uh, trying to sell them anything or even trying to convert them. You're just telling them what Jesus has done for you and for them. Because the work of converting, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that works in the hearts of those that you will speak to, to change their hearts, to to get them to believe. Uh, They may reject it. Or they may respond favorably. They may believe it through the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So you can be a part of growing the church. You can be part of spreading the word of the Lord. And so we pray, may God give you strength to spread his word, amen.